This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. We are knee-deep in a uh, heavy philosophical discussion about libertarianism. And uh, we were just talking about what's the difference between Democrats, Republicans, what is libertarian. And uh, uh, I happen to be on a panel on this Tuesday night at 6.30 at the... Uh, Hudson Grill Midtown with I'm the Libertarian. Greg Williams is a conservative and Charles Cook wrote a book called The Conservatarian Manifesto. I guess where the two shall meet. So we'll see how that discussion unfolds. But if you're interested in it, it's free. Just you probably want to sign up. Go to my website, MonicaPerezShow.com. And I've got some great tweets coming at Monica Perez Show. You can add to that. And some great calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, I'm going to Philip. Philip, hi, you're on with Monica. Hello, hello, Monica. I was calling initially about uh, the government always uh, being behind the, the wrong person to incite violence, uh, racial dispute, but mentioning about the um, immigration issue with Hispanics and stuff. I'm Mexican-American. My father was a, uh, a Mexican from Mexico City, and he came here illegally. And to see for the regulations of him being over here illegally made him need to keep his nose clean, go to work, come home, focus on the family. That, in essence, is what I find interesting when people are saying that Hispanics coming here are all criminals or uh, rapists or anything like that. I'm not saying that we are. All I'm saying is back then, whenever there was a regulation, they forced us to uh, be better. They came here on a, on a limb to be yeah, I think there is, the Philip, some statistical evidence to support what you're saying and that a lot of times the higher incarceration rate is because they're in jail for being here illegally or in the system for that right. reason. But I get I say something like that on the air. I've done plenty of work on it and I get people telling me, sending me, please do not send me like 5000 links on how it's wrong. What I will say is this. When an issue like that, when you try to do real research and you can't find the real answer to me, I smell a rat. I was watching a video with Cheryl Atkinson giving a TED speech the other day. Uh, I was watching the video the other day. The speech was a while ago, probably. But she said that she was talking about big pharma, pharmaceutical companies, and she said they can tie up the debate. They can manipulate the statistics, the studies. They even have power over uh, uh, the Wikipedia entry. So when you can't find the answer to something, I feel like there's, you know, a, a shadowy hand at work. And what I think the thing with the immigration is, I think it's meant to divide us. I think it's one of those things where they actually set up policies that make it impossible for people to come over. Why not let the Mexicans come over who want to work? Whereas when I'm telling you, I was in a town in, in California recently, 
all it was a very affluent town and all the signs were in Chinese. There was a sign for an American, you know, white guy lawyer, but the sign was in Chinese. So these people are not there illegally. They seem to be able to get, you know, millions of them come come over. I think the system is deliberately set up to create divisiveness like this. Right. Right. Um and we all know that the borders are open. The Hispanics, the the illegals that are coming in now have no risk. They are coming here, reaching into the pot of gold with no no booby trap. I'll so, tell you, Philip. I uh, people you know talk about. Oh, we want the wall. We want the wall. The the wall. I think is to is to keep people satisfied for a while, even though it's it, the policy is ultimately to have to actually make policies at home and abroad that create massive migration patterns not to relieve people of economic worry if that were our goal we could encourage other countries to have a little more economic liberty or we could stop bombing countries into releasing a bunch of refugees and terrorists but but i know somebody who has a ranch on the border between texas and mexico and they, he and his wife have told me that years ago you could just walk right up to the river. But now the drug cartels have snipers there so that people who want to, you know, go outside the system and smuggle drugs over will get killed by the drug lords. So there is if they wanted to close that border, they don't need a wall. They could do it immediately. They don't want to right. close the border. Right. My wife, she is also an illegal, but she was handed to her family here in America while her father and mother was stayed behind. And to see, she is completely different from my father and completely different from me. What she wants is me to stay home uh, and, and to be with her, but that means I don't work. And she's all about going on government assistance. And I hate yeah. government assistance. I'm a retired veteran. I've had two spine surgeries. I worked for a time, and I just created a business this month. I do not want any help. But I you're legal, work. right? Yes. So I'm how legal. could your I'm wife legal. not be legal? Uh, it's, uh, she has to go to Mexico for a couple, uh, okay. couple weeks to come here legally yeah. or, okay. um, yes, that thing, I have known people who are working the system for that. And I knew somebody who was doing that. She went to get welfare and, and she had a visa. She wasn't illegal yet. She was going to be or whatever. And they said, don't tell anybody you have a visa. Just say you're illegal and they'll give you, they'll just give you they food. They are more than willing to <laughs> give know. out. So that's what I'm saying. It's, you know, you people can call me and say, oh, you're for open borders or you're not for open borders. People yell at me. You don't understand. I'm I'm not for a fix it policy that won't fix it because the the real policy of the people in charge is to create this problem. That's what they want. And they want it because they like to divide us. They want to get our, our eye off the ball. But mostly they don't they want uh they don't want cultures intact because they cultures intact might resist this movement towards very high level central control, like world government type control. They don't want they don't want people to have loyalty to where they live because then you could band together and resist. I mean, that might be too far down the rabbit hole for you, Philip, but that's definitely where I'm coming at. OK, um, well, <laughs> our genes are are basically passed down from generation to generation. And the genes of the people coming over now, uh, even though they're Hispanic, I'm still voting for Trump just because <laughs> I don't like the handouts that, that the government hands out. To well, them. that's the thing. I mean, 
that's a real dis- yeah. d- debate that people have about, like, are you genetically disposed to being your own culture? I, for one, as a New Yorker growing up, every single person in my class growing up had parents or grandparents who were immigrants. Nobody was more than a second-generation American, and that was during a time when that meant those people were coming over who had a... came over just to work, not to get handouts or anything like that. And all these different cultures, all these different people, my grandmother was Syrian. And uh, we all had the same values. We all got it because we were all here for the same reason. So I don't actually buy the genetic stuff because I've seen that after a generation or two, but people really do have that... um, that disposition and i i think you know you want to trump crosses the the cultural boundaries i love it uh i'm good thank you so much for the call philip i'm going to matt and woodstock matt you're on with monica hi monica love the show great thank you um i have a quick question i'm usually convinced by libertarianism and classical liberal arguments for the most part but there's always one where i bring it up and usually the response falls short of what i'm looking for so i wanted to get your take on it and um, the question is about freedom of the seas. So looking at history, um, I don't know what your opinion is, but basically what I've concluded is that usually when one central power controls the oceans, there's more peace, there's more trade, there's more prosperity, but that order has to be enforced through a powerful navy. And when I've asked libertarians about that, there's usually not a satisfactory answer. So I wanted to see what you thought about that. Well, I know this freedom of the seas is something that's on the uh, agenda of the of the super powerful because Kissinger wrote, I think it was like an op-ed or whatever, a long article in the Wall Street Journal about it maybe two years ago. And anything that, whatever he wants, I would say it's a good like first pass to be like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I I look at, I, I think I read a great book recently called uh, JFK by L. Fletcher Prouty, P-R-O-U-T-Y. And he talks about he starts the book going back like to to Columbus or Magellan. He said once they really understood the Western powers really understood how finite and small the world was, they knew it was possible to just divide it up and uh, and. And that's what they decided to do. And and that's what they've been doing all this time, according to this book, which it's just something to think about, you know. And I feel like that's the reason they make wars and destroy cultures and try to normalize all the laws everywhere. So there's no place to go. There's no place to turn. I start thinking that we need to establish a libertarian society somewhere. And uh, I think uh, Milton Friedman's grandson possibly moves this uh started the seascaping movement where we could actually build with technology a a, a new little island where we could have libertarianism be unowned so i'm not for uh government ownership of the seas i think you could have private ownership of the seas maybe and they would then be more likely to husband it to make sure that they are coral reefs that give them all sorts of tourist stuff don't die that they're not going to be bought off by whalers or whatever so i i'll i i have yet to find the the position of liberty that i that i don't think is the right answer but thank you so much for the call matt that was great 404-872-0750 1-800-WSB talk this is monica perez monica perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I'm the Libertarian, and we are having a uh, very lively discussion. 
I want to, uh, it is 72 degrees outside the studio on Peachtree Street. The weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. I want to give out the McDonald's weekend prize pack. It is a four-pack of tickets to the Concealed Carry Expo, April 29th through May 1st at the Georgia International Convention Center, and a pair of tickets to see Train in Concert on August 13th at Verizon Wireless Amphitheater, produced by Live Nation. First to call, 404-741-0750. We'll get that, and uh, I want to get to some tweets. So if you want your tweets read on the air... Tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. I always think it's good etiquette to tweet back, so you'll get that little uh, to um, follow back, so you'll get that little bonus. I am going to read Johnny's tweet. He says, most of the border is in private hands. So we've been talking about immigration and also that I think a lot of the conflict that we feel against each other in society is promoted by the government in order to keep us fighting amongst ourselves and not, you know, it's us versus us instead of us versus them. And what they are busy doing while we're busy fighting is installing truly what can only end up being, I assume, a totalitarian state because they are installing this this total surveillance state, total police state, obviously, for their own control. And uh, I feel like part of that, part of how they're getting that done is by creating conflict so that we take our eye off that ball, so that we have nothing to turn to. We have no unity to fight it when it's finally clear to everybody. And even uh, at some point, it might seem like we're calling for it. So when there's a problem with the police brutality and somehow the call for police cameras arises, that's that's not necessarily a good thing, because if you're at a protest like Stone Mountain, there's uh, protests and rallies today. If you're at that and uh, the police have a record of your face, there's facial recognition if they have if they have body cameras. So it could it could turn against you. But what Johnny said is most of the border is in private hands and they don't want a wall. Many even own land on both sides of the border. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. More tweets after this at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6 or halfway through this uh, conversation. It's always so deep. Like I, I don't know what it is about libertarianism. I think it's because it's the principles of the matter that you have to talk about. You you aren't looking to pander. You're not just trying to figure out some policy that serves you. You're actually trying to find the right answer. And I love that. And everybody engages, even if they're not libertarians, you have to defend your position. So that's super fun. But I also tend to go down the rabbit hole sometimes. So when I heard all this about the Stone Mountain rally and counter protests, I had to think that the guy who arranged it was an agent provocateur who was going out of his way to cause trouble to get us, you know, at each other's throats, which is uh, really plays right into the hands of uh, centralized power. So there's a, a few people have chimed in in agreement with me on Facebook. But right now I'm going to read some uh, tweets. First, I'm going to go to a call 404 872 1-800-WSB-TALK. Darren and DeCobb, you are on with Monica. Hi. How you doing, Monica? Good. How are you doing? And I listen to you all the time, but I'm, I'm getting confused. You say you're a libertarian. 
Yeah. I don't understand the difference between a libertarian, conservative, and a Democrat. To me, they're all the same. What I mean, you get libertarian, conservative, they say the government is the problem. But in my life, the private sector would raise hell in my life. So I don't understand the difference between them. Darren, you bring up a great point that I... Is... I don't never hear nobody criticize the private sector. Because when I go to work, they will talk to you in a kind of way. This ain't the government doing this. Don't get me wrong. Chief. Yeah. I don't like the government. The government raised hell, hell in different ways. That's why I don't even participate in the voting. I, don't, you know, I never voted on 38 because to me they both they both the same people. And I don't understand how somebody can say you vote for the less evil. You don't vote for the less evil. Evil is evil. That's my position. But, Darren, I want to address that in a way that I never I I haven't heard anybody address. I have noticed that the libertarian uh, movement, the liberty movement, I was 100 percent behind Ron Paul, although I'm an anarcho capitalist. So I I actually don't think we're going to fix it inside the system. I don't want revolution. I just think that that this system is rigged or hopeless or whatever. But what I noticed was that some of the mainstream libertarian uh, outlets are seem to be kind of co-opted by the right, by Republicans, uh, conservatives. And I'm not talking about the grassroots because I think the Republicans, conservatives and libertarians generally think they have the same basic principles. But what a lot of the corporate libertarians, I call them, do is they'll focus on uh, we don't want a minimum wage. But why why do people on the left want a minimum wage? I will tell you, because they think the system is rigged by the corporations. What they think is that the corporations are going to be able to demand whatever price they can get. And if they can lower their cost, they're going to get richer in a free society. If they get cheaper labor, a new person's going to come into the industry and drive the prices of the product down. It's not going to increase the guy's profit, but it will if the government has regulations that keep people from competing. If there's too much legal stuff, too much accounting, too much health and safety, if if the little guy cannot enter, then yes, the corporation will get these outsized profits and uh, and labor doesn't get the benefit of lower wages by having lower prices in the market. So the the problem that I find when the libertarians say the same thing about these policy solutions, what they need to be doing is is in part what you are saying. I, I, it's not exactly what you're saying, but I hope you can uh, understand and agree with me on this, that if if they were to identify that it's the corporations and the government hand in hand that are creating uh, an unfair atmosphere, people don't realize that the cause is that there's power at the top that prevents us from really competing. Uh, I agree with you 100 percent on that. No, Lexi, I think the problem, come, my point of the problem, the problem come in. And people have got to start blaming themselves. When we start saying, like I said, I'm not neither, I'm a human. When we start saying we're a Democrat, we're a libertarian, a conservative, once we get into that part, that's when the problem comes. Just be a human. You know what I'm Just live your life. You don't have to be, I don't know, it's just, it's, I, to me the whole yeah. thing is just rigged. I think it is, <laughs> and I think that the real, the real problem is uh, that they, people want power, and they want they they want power. There's a, there's this expression that the uh, or a philosophy. I don't know what you would call it. 
uh, words of wisdom that say that economic power, you know, economic means of getting rich or making stuff is is you just do something, you add value, and you get the money. But there's the political means, which is you can get the value, get the money, get the credit without actually adding the value. You kind of steal it from somebody. And what's the best way to do that but to use the levers of government where they can get away with ki- killing and stealing and no one stops them? And what's the what's the beauty of it for them is they use your money to do it. So that's where I think the conflict, yes, we're all human. And as a libertarian, I've gone so far as to be an anarcho-capitalist, you know, because I don't think that 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 the government can ever be trusted not to be captured by the power hungry, by the greedy. I I think that we're better off being humans and establishing our own uh, society. Society is self-ordering, just having an arm's length transaction. I mean, you can... Uh, you know, you go into the coffee shop. There's not a cop there making sure you pay. You pay because you want your coffee. Yeah. So okay. I think thank you so much for the call, Darren. I really appreciate that because it is uh, these. I feel like almost everything that gets a lot of airtime, like once it's on mainstream national TV, cable news, it's been uh, it's been domesticated. It's been uh, tamed into serving this goal and and to me the goal is is uh power at the top i mean that's the, that's it there is nothing more than that and you can say who you think it is the illuminati or whatever i don't know who it is it doesn't matter who it is what i think the answer is for people to actually just see it for what it is from the evidence of our own eyes and think through these issues, then you can see that it's a lie. You can see that the immigration policy, it's not unintended consequences, it's intended consequences. It's meant to divide us. It's meant to serve this purpose of always centralizing the power. Uh, So I wanted to get back to my tweets, but I'll also take calls 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. And if you want to join in the tweeting at Monica Perez Show. I got a tweet from Dean. Uh, We are on the road to pathocracy, if not there already. Just glance at the actions and rules authorized against our wishes. So I had discovered this expression, pathocracy, and I love it. You know, like a pathogen or pathological, like it means wrong, abnormal, our pathocracy is when the government actually works against the people. And I do think that's where we are. And uh, Dean says, look at the actions and rules authorized against our wishes. I marched uh, against Obamacare three times, went to Washington. My husband came, a friend, uh, friends, and the all the polling, and I already think polling is is not really trustworthy, but they couldn't come up with a poll that wasn't uh, where the majority of the people were against Obamacare. We have never wanted socialized medicine in this country. And they got it anyway. And and Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi, who was the Speaker of the House, cackled. She had made bets with people that she was going to subject us to her will, whether we liked it or not. Ha ha, I did it. Sick. It was Sick. And uh, so anyway, (laughs) Dean got me excited at that one because it's really, you can't, you really can't let it get to you because all the stuff I read all day, I mean, I could, I could really get depressed and sometimes I do, but I try to look back and think about the centuries and centuries and millennia of this power structure always being a battle between 
uh, people who want to use the political means to get away from those who produce stuff with the economic means. It's just uh, it's just getting more than you're working for that. And some people are really good at that. And running for office is a great way to do that. Bribing politicians is a great way to do it. You know, uh, getting the power is a great way to do it. I'm going to go to Jay in Atlanta. Jay, you're on with Monica. Uh, hello. Uh, first time, Kari. Uh, this is the first time I actually listened to your program. And I'm going to start listening every Saturday now. Uh, it's very informative. I had a question about uh, the minimum wage. I'm a millennial, and I really don't understand um, the problem with the $15 minimum wage. Um, someone tried to explain to me about the GDP and how it would affect the uh the jobs for small business and all that. Uh, could you kind of elaborate on that? If, well, if here's, so here's what I think about minimum wage. If, if people can't, $15 is what I would call a binding minimum wage. If you wanted to have like a $5 minimum wage where it's only binding to the extent that people who are like truly being, you know, exploited, lied to, maybe don't speak English, could not possibly live. But a lot of times people are doing jobs who make those very low wages to help out the breadwinner in the house, like a teen or a housewife maybe who had not developed skills or hasn't worked in a long time, entry-level jobs, where, where if you think of money just in a snapshot of $15 having a real value, if they can't add that $15 uh, value that job will not exist. They'll just get somebody to do, you know, who's getting fifteen or twenty dollars to take on more work. And actually, it tends to affect minorities and young people more than anything. And I, I heard on a in a lecture, and I thought it was credible that it's actually in the congressional record that the first federal minimum wage was was an effort to boost white employment and wages at the expense of black workers who were coming from, I think, the South to the North. So there's a political elements to how it actually affects people. But what would happen, so if if you raise that minimum wage and then the price level goes up of everything, you didn't really get anything more out of it. Uh, so there's like no winning at the end. But uh, if the people... You know, many people will lose their jobs and not be able to buy things like at Walmart. Walmart's super cheap. They give $10 an hour. You could work at Walmart and buy stuff at Walmart. If they raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, two-thirds of the people keep their job. One-third loses their job. And the prices might even stay the same, but those third people who lost their job are not going to be able to buy anything. I mean, that's those are some of the things I think are wrong with the minimum wage. But if your society is so corrupt that the corporations can uh, can really control all labor, then they can exploit people. But I just don't think we're we're at that point. I think that labor has some power, and I'll explain that in a second. Um, uh, Going to take a break. 404 872 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. 72 degrees outside the studio on Peachtree Street. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. I'm going to Bob in Roswell. Hi, Bob. You're on with Monica. Good afternoon. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. I just have a couple of things to say about the minimum wage topic that everyone's talking about. You don't hear about it very much. Good, great. I'm a, I'm a small, multiple small business owner, and if you raise the minimum wage to 
12, 15, any arbitrary number like such as that. And what you, you're not only impacting the entry-level worker, but you're impacting every worker up from there that's still in an hourly, uh, an hourly wage uh, situation. Because you can't reward someone yeah. for, doing, for doing good work and being a reliable and trustworthy individual. That's a good point. And taking initiative when your bottom, your base dollar figure that you have to pay somebody who doesn't even want to show up to work is $15 an hour. The minimum wage is not meant to pay your bills and live on. It's meant for, for second jobs and kids. Right, and, and that is who it affects. Do you think that as a small business owner, it's much harder for you to absorb a minimum wage increase than even a Walmart, which is like a bottom dollar place, but it's got some power and heft? Yeah, I do. For the simple reason is is one of the businesses is a construction business, and we bring people in depending on depending on the individual anywhere from ten to twelve to fourteen dollars an hour, and we evaluate them for thirty days. And if they're meeting our expectations, we either leave them at the price, we up them a little if they're if they're if they're doing better, or we say we can't afford to pay you this. You're not bringing that much value to the to the production, and if you start at fifteen dollars an hour, you're your guys that have been with you a couple of years who are kind of starting to know what they're doing and wanting to learn, they're at $20 an hour, and there's just not enough money from the end-user product. So what do you do? If you if a guy's not worth 15 what do you do with the work that he'd be doing? You pile it on the guy who's making 20 and make him just do more work to get that extra money that he wasn't getting before? Pretty much. We, um, we, we add it to the crews and say, all right, this is what we have to have done. And we give them an incentive bonus. We say, for instance, this is how much money we have to do this part of the job. If the crew leader can bring it in under budget, then we split that money with everybody out there. If they go over, then we want to find out why they went over. Wow, that's an, that's an awesome policy. I have to say, you are confirming what I think is self-evident, that it does eliminate jobs. It hurts the poorest people, the least qualified people it creates a black market for labor probably for some people who will hire illegals or whomever who will work off the books and it creates a tremendous amount of dependency 404-872-0750 1-800-WSB-TALK this is monica perez without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.